Good. Uh, just a couple of things. You've learnt what to do in the chorus, right? You go, what? Um, now, I'm not going to have a chorus in this particular uh, talk, but I, I'm going to say three things at the start to which those who are regulars will probably want to go, what? I'm wearing something on my feet. Um, I'm going to use PowerPoint. It's going to be less than 20 minutes. Absolutely, right? Okay. Well, I want to uh, get you thinking a little bit tonight as to who the main character at Christmas is. Uh, if you've been wandering around the shopping malls, you probably see a lot of the fella on the right. Uh, Santa Claus, maybe. I'm not sure if he's still allowed to have kids sit on his lap. Uh, but you go to Santa and you ask him for something for Christmas. Uh, maybe you even post off a letter to this one. But there are some shopping centres where you might see what's called a nativity scene. Uh, we've got a nativity scene up the front here. Uh, we've got a, a stable. Uh, we've got a manger and we have Jesus. And there were various characters from the play a little bit earlier. Uh, maybe you look around about at people's Christmas lights. You can see a whole range of Santa things uh, with sleighs and reindeers and big Santa Clauses, either glowing lights or blow up ones that uh, are full of air. Or maybe you get to see a figure of Mary and Joseph and a baby. Uh, or maybe you were part of the carols down at the surf club. Uh, maybe you braved the weather and were there last Sunday night. And you'll know that there were carols where we were singing primarily about Jesus. But there was also a great big blow up Santa Claus. And I think it's a fair question to ask who people would think the main character for Christmas is. Now, in our society, in our community, there'd probably be a few people who'd say Santa and a few people who'd say Jesus. And the difficulty sometimes is we can get them confused. Uh, in Japan, apparently, although there is some people saying this is an urban myth, there has been a window stall of Mary and Joseph and a manger and a little baby Santa Claus. How do these things fit together? Well, I want to talk about that tonight. And I want to start by suggesting that there are two reasons that you probably won't see Santa Claus tonight. Now, this is not to say you won't see Santa Claus, but I doubt that you'll see him tonight. Uh, let me give you the first of these reasons, first of all. Um, I received an email the other day about Santa Claus, not from Santa Claus, but about Santa Claus. And it was actually uh, an email that was describing what a university in the United States had discovered about how fast Santa needs to move to deliver all the presents on Christmas Eve. And um, you might be thinking, well, that's a pretty big job. After all, there's something like 7 billion people on our planet. Well, let's limit it to the children. Well, that's still a pretty big job. That's two to three billion people. But then realistically, Santa probably doesn't go to Buddhists to Muslims, to Hindus, or to Jews. So we could probably say that Santa only has to visit around about 100 million uh, households. Now, that's pretty good news, I would think, wouldn't you? Now, that means, they've done their maths on this, that Santa will probably need to visit 1,000 homes a second. 
So I think you're starting to get the picture as to why it's unlikely that you'll see Santa Claus uh, tonight because in one one thousandth of a second, Santa is required to park the reindeer, either slip down the chimney if there is one, otherwise pick the lock and get inside and put the presents under the tree and then eat the snack that's been left out for him, get back on the reindeer and go to the next house. One thousandth of a second. And he keeps doing that. You might think that Usain Bolt is a pretty good sprinter. Well, I don't think he could do this every second of the whole day. Well, it's a little bit silly, isn't it? But the first reason that you probably won't get to see Santa tonight is if you blink, guaranteed that you've missed him. But there's another reason, a second reason, why it's probably unlikely that you'll see Santa this evening. And I want us to think a little bit more deeply about this one. See, Santa is only supposed to give presents to good boys and girls. And you can see a picture here of Santa and he's reading his naughty list. Um, the good list and the naughty list. And of course, those on the good list, they get presents. Those on the naughty list, well, they get stuck with coal. And uh, if Santa, you see, is only supposed to go to the houses where there are good boys and girls, then it's going to be a little bit easier. There won't be quite as many people that he needs to visit. Um, you know the song, don't you? Uh, the song that we sing at Christmas time. Uh, he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows whether you've been good or bad. So be good for goodness sake. That's his mantra. That's his philosophy. That's Santa's way of determining which households he needs to go to. And you see, that makes it a lot easier. He can cut down his workload if he only needs to go to the houses where there have been good boys and girls. Now, let, let's make it a little harder. That is not just good boys and girls, but good adults as well. And you see, this is where the problem is. Because the Bible has something to say about this. No, the Bible doesn't actually speak about Santa, but it does talk about you and about me. And the reality is the Bible says that we're not that good. In fact, if there was one person who was good, it's Jesus. And this is what Jesus had to say. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Now, we all do good things. We are all relatively good people. But could any of us honestly say that we do good and only do good all the time? I don't think we could. I know I couldn't. I suspect that you couldn't. And the Bible makes it clear that there is only one who is truly good, completely good, motivated by good, only treating other people with good and doing that all the time. And so if the reality is that there is no one who always does what is good, no boy, no girl, no mum, no dad, if there's no one who is genuinely good, that is good all the time for the right reasons, then Santa has got all the time in the world. Now, again, if Santa only comes to the good and there aren't any truly, really good, then there might be some who would say that Santa is a myth. But I want to say to you that good people are a myth. 
Look at these words from Jesus. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, the great news about Christmas, when you put Jesus at the centre, it is come for people like you and like me. Jesus has come for people who aren't good all the time, who know deep down in our own hearts that we don't live up to the standards we set ourselves, let alone the standards of God. But Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous or the good, but I've come to call the sinners. Now the great news of Christmas is that Jesus comes for sinners. You might have read this. It was uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald uh, last weekend. Uh, an article by uh, a journalist called Barney Schwartz. And the article is called The Christmas Gift That Santa Claus Can't Keep From Us. And I want to read to you a number of the lines that Barney Schwartz had to say. Some people say something like, I've tried to live a good life. God will see that and reward me. But what the Bible teaches is shockingly different. No human has ever lived can save themselves by their own efforts because we all fall short of God's perfect standards. But, and here is the central message of Christmas, God has solved this dilemma by taking human form with all its frailties and suffering in order ultimately to die, to die on a cross, to restore us to fellowship or friendship with God. What we are unable to do for ourselves on our own merits, the Bible says God did from love as an act of grace. Now, Barney Schwartz is just saying what the Bible says. That is that Jesus treats us with grace. And here, I think, is the big difference between Santa and Jesus. See, if we follow the picture that Santa gives presents to those who've been good, we're talking about a transaction. If you're good, you get. If you're not good, you don't get. But with Jesus, we're actually talking about transformation, not a transaction. Grace changes people. Grace brings about a whole new future. The author of this article, Barney Schwartz, goes on to say this. Christmas is the ultimate non-complimentary move. He says the opposite of the have you been naughty or nice question that Santa asks is grace that comes from Jesus. Humans have rejected God, but instead of rejecting humans, God goes so far as to become a human himself. As a baby, to suffer human frailties and indignities and to dignify and to restore relationship, he's the one who breaks the transactional cycle. Friends, the good news of Christmas is that Jesus comes to bring grace. Now, I want to finish up by sharing with you two more differences between Santa Claus and Jesus. 
because uh, I think they'll help us just to see how wonderful Christmas is. Here's a picture of Santa Claus. Santa puts his presents under the tree. But Jesus puts his present on the tree. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. The presents that Santa gives are stuff. The present that Jesus gives is himself. Not only that, but when you think about the presents that Santa gives, some of them are pretty cheap. Others are quite expensive, but nothing compares to the giving of himself, Jesus. So this Christmas, I want to encourage you to think about the reason for this season. And that is Jesus, where God came to us as a baby to share in our humanity, to pay for our sin to restore us to God. And that brings me to the last difference between Jesus and Santa. Many of us have been looking for a bargain this Christmas. It's uh, possible that you've been trying to find some presents to fill those stockings. And you've most likely found your way to the reject shop or the $5 or the $2 shop or, or maybe that aisle there in Kmart or Big W you want to get some things that just kind of make up the space. Well, the difference between the presence that Santa gives and the present that Jesus gives is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Some of you will probably get a few gifts this Christmas. Some of those gifts might even last for a while. And then there'll be the ones that came from the $2 shop, which is really the two-minute shop. And you're thinking, why did I spend that? But there is one present that God wants you to unwrap. And that is the gift of Jesus himself for you. For you to put your trust in Jesus, born a baby, died a man, and raised as Lord, as King over all. That is God's present for you. This Christmas, why don't you thank him? And if you haven't already, why don't you unwrap that gift? Put your trust in what God has given you. Thank you.